Well, hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary mm-hmm. conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Really great to be back with you again here today. And we're talking homeschooling. We're finally going to do it. We're going to dig into that topic that's close, near and dear to our hearts here. Uh, I will say, you know, right off the get go, like we've talked a lot in the past about kind of the, the ethos, the shtick of our show. I mean, we're not here to to lecture. We're not here to, to teach definitively, certainly about any of these topics. We're having a conversation. Uh, we're sharing it with you, sharing our experiences. We'd love to know what you think. And so today we're not, and this isn't homeschooling 101, as you pointed out before the episode today, Teresa. Yeah. You know, this is like, we're talking through our mindsets and our kind of journey through it and hopefully some advice. And yeah, this is like homeschooling real time. Real talk. Right. Real time. Real time. Oh, real time. Real talk sounds <laughs> like we're in our 70s. Trying to, trying to appeal to the youths. I'm trying to appeal to the youths, <laughs> babe. We're going to spell homeschooling with a Z somehow. <laughs> Sorry, did I already ruin our episode? <laughs> no, just keep going. <laughs> yeah, so not homeschooling 101. <laughs> this is going to be messy. Uh, like all the things that we do, it's going to be messy. Amen. But. You had a couple of resources you want to share, yeah, share so right off the bat. Yeah, so if you do kind of want a homeschooling 101, I wanted to share these ahead of time. Um, probably the best homeschooling podcast, if there was like a one shot, um, it, I think it's like two hours, but it is well worth every second of it. It's called The Secrets of Joe Schooling by Jennifer Fulweiler. Um, <laughs> just put that her. into Google. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. She's hilarious. She's a comedian. Um, yeah. Catholic comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the second one, if I, when I do give seconds, cause I do, I'm speaking hypothetically, but I really do give this one. Um, it's, you can find it on YouTube on the channel Norp and South, Knorp, it's like their last name, Norp and South, um, Unschooling Explained, Adventuring Family of 11, Unschooling Explained. Um, and actually this couple does a long discussion about, um, homeschooling before they even get to the idea of unschooling. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, but it's, it's a phenomenal thinking through education and yeah. thinking through children and thinking through marriage and thinking through what you want for your children's educa- education. So it's not just about unschooling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what we like about both of those resources and hopefully, you know, what we can do on this show today is that more than anything, homeschooling is about um, kind of your, your mindset as a parent and as a, mm-hmm. as a spouse, uh, your mindset about your family life, uh, about uh, your family culture, about even what education is, I think is more important than, I think people get focused on trying to recreate the system or trying to shove in, you know, lots mm-hmm. of curriculum rather than under, trying to have a bit more subtle, deep understanding about what education is and what it means to help your child you know, grow in virtue, grow in their, in their intellectual life. And so, again not going to be perfect, but I think we have some helpful thoughts to share. Yeah. We've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And now you can make less of those same mistakes. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe you'll make the same ones and you won't feel alone. Um, But don't blame us. So we were trying to think of how to start this and we thought that maybe it would be best just to give you a right now, what our homeschool looks like on um, a successful scheduled day. Okay. Um. So we have six kids, mm-hmm. ages 11 to nine months. And um, this is what, so we started in September. We school year round. 
um, because that allows us to be more flexible and take bigger breaks when we want them and take advantage of everything that happens in the summer that's just amazing and that um, is part of our school as well. So in September, we started our school year. And um, so I guess take us through a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you're the schedule person. <laughs> sorry, take us sorry, through sorry. a day. Yeah. So generally we, I mean, we get up early. I think we've talked about that before on the show, just about, you know, we've, we've worked at it over the years to adjust our schedule so that we get up before the kids. So we have a little bit of space to, to get up and pray and breathe and exercise, and exercise and and take plan some notes, our day. stuff like that. So that's, yeah. that's kind of a helpful start. And then usually at seven o'clock in the morning uh, is when we, we go to the crucifix with the kids and we say a quick morning offering uh, prayer. And then we do chores and get ready for breakfast until about eight o'clock. And then what we've been doing for this past half year, and this is the first year we've done this because in the past we only had one or two older kids doing a school. Uh, but this year we actually have three that are doing school, three mm-hmm. older kids. And so from eight o'clock to nine o'clock before I go to work, um, I work on a few subjects with them, a few subjects that I have been doing over the years, as well as some supplemental stuff that I, that I do with them. And so I, I give them an hour of working through some subjects with them and then assigning them, you know, a few a few items that I know they can do on their own later in the day. And then I head off to work at nine mm-hmm. um, and then Teresa takes over and does, well, I don't know, I'm never there. So what do you do after nine Yeah, <laughs> so um, before he gets sits down with the kids at eight, he gets our two youngest children, three and five, into our toy room mm-hmm. and they're started on an activity or they might be watching the iPad or listening to their yeah, playlist Yeah, we have, we have a bunch of boxed activities in the closet. Mm-hmm. So we try to get one of those out, get them started, you know, yeah. hopefully it lasts them for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then while he's doing schooling with the kids at the table, sometimes, like I'm, I'm usually still like cleaning up after breakfast and eating my own breakfast and getting dinner in the crock pot and all that kind of stuff. And then I will check in with the kids in the toy room. And sometimes I will do like preschool or kindergarten activities with them. And I'll take the, the baby, the nine month old baby in there. Um, she's very, she's just an excellent kid. So I can, I can leave her in a playpen mm. for a long time, which was not actually the case with our three-year-old and still not the case with our three-year-old. Um, so I'll check in with them. Sometimes I'll do a truly, I mean, like five minutes, like their attention span cannot last longer than five <laughs> minutes. Um, you know, some something math usually, because that's all we do with kids before they're six. We, we do reading and then just yeah. life unfolding. Um, <laughs> so I'll just pop in there. Maybe we'll do some like teddy bear counting, you know, like little math manipulatives or something. And then I will make sure before John Mark heads out the door and before I tag in with the kids, with the older kids, um, I will make sure that there is something that will keep those kids' attention, the littles' attention for an hour. Yes. And that's um, that feels like a loss. And I know a lot of times people think, well, if I'm bribing one kid to be able to educate the older kids, um, it's just a loss. But there's a lot of moving pieces when you have young, young kids. And if you're going to homeschool and you need to give individual, individual attention, like you, in my opinion, you need to find something that works. We have a collection of like uh, educational videos and stuff that we've used, you know, that sometimes they'll, they'll watch in there and it works out pretty well. And it's, it's a way to, to manage, help Mm -hmm. manage that part of the day. Yeah. And so then you go to work and I start, um, like our family curriculum, whatever I've planned, during my morning time before the kids woke up, like I've sat down and I've looked at what I want to do with the kids 
and prepared, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing science right now. So science experiments, which I hate, <laughs> take a little bit of preparation ahead of time. Um, so I'll get those things and I'll look over those things so that I'm not just like yeah. getting angry that and, I didn't and I should say, I, get I, out glass jars and sand or something. We didn't necessarily plan it this way, but I think it actually it helps that kind of the division, We I focus on sort of the core like long-term subjects. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've taught all the kids, I've been the main one teaching the kids to read, mm-hmm. working intensely with each kid as they kind of get to the age where it's sort of clicking for them. Um, I've worked with each of them intensely with mathematics mm-hmm. and, then a, and then a little bit with, with some mechanics of writing and language. And then I've begun doing Latin with the older three kids. And, th- and my main reason for Latin is I, I think that learning Latin from my own experience and from what I've understand from other families it's just, it's a, it's a great foundation stone for language in lots of different senses. The best way to learn grammar in your own language is actually to learn Latin because yeah. learning grammar in your own language is absolutely mind-numbingly boring. And yeah. so that's, I, I kind of work on those basics uh, of kind of basically re- reading, writing, arithmetic, language, and mathematics. I work on those with the kids. And so that's kind of a manageable thing, but it also gives me kind of a uh, coherence with them over time on those subjects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that frees you up to be able to then, you know, explore, a, you know, a much more wider variety of kinds of things with them. Yeah. yeah. So John Mark initially took over reading. Mm-hmm. So initially reading yeah. because I just would lose patience. Mm-hmm. I truly, I would lose patience with this three to five year old sitting on a lap trying to teach reading. And so the more patient parent took it over, at least patient in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, right. and although you are the more patient parent. <laughs> Overall, in general. For some reason that one just worked. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with math. Like, I'm a math person. Mm-hmm. I love math. And I excelled at math um, well into college. And But trying to teach a kid who doesn't understand why 2 plus 2 equals 4 was like, it made me want to lose my mind. Again, it was the patience <laughs> thing. Like, I couldn't do it. But you were not a math person. Mm. And the particular curriculum that we use um, called Life of Fred, mm. it's a reading-based, logic-based curriculum. And you just had yeah. so much fun. Like you were yeah. doing math and loving it for the first time. And you yeah, were it, kind of learning with the kids. So it, it became your thing. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Actually, so that, you know, that, that is one of the core, and we'll, we'll talk about this more later, but one of the, like the foundations of our particular <laughs> approach to homeschooling is just, is the reading. Like mm. we really hold off on a lot and work very slowly patiently to get a kid reading really well mm-hmm. so that they can read every sign, every plaque, every, mm-hmm. you know, brochure they pick up. They can read their workbook if you give it to them. They can read through this math curriculum. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the rest of education much easier, number one, but also makes everything you do in life more educational just by the fact that you yeah. can read anything that comes it's in front of that, you. It's the engine building yeah, board we'll, game yeah. engine, engine building thing. We like, got an episode coming up. That, if he gets that, the yeah. kids reading before in Ohio, formal education legally begins at six, mm-hmm. and we kind of sort of follow Charlotte Mason in the early years. Mm-hmm. Which again, she would say no formal reading or no formal education until six, unless it's child led. You know, like your kid just really wants to sit down with the older kids with a workbook mm-hmm. and do handwriting or something like you would let the child kind of lead that. Um, But yeah, if he sets them up with reading before we even start formal schooling, it's like, 
it makes, I can make a list and the kids can follow the list and they can read their own instructions in their workbook and they can kind of be um, self-driven. And then also, you know, anything that we have out in the house becomes then consumable. So be careful once your kids learn how to read. We had a problem with the Bible, (laughs) the Old Testament in particular. Kids started reading and then four and five, four and five-year-olds are using all kinds of really strange language that came out of the Bible. <laughs> I, I think I waylaid this a little bit. So we're, we'll get more into the theory Sorry. ideas later, but Let's in terms of what we're our, doing now. So. Yeah. So wrap up our yeah. little day, ideal yeah. day. So um, I'll do the formal subjects that I want to do mm-hmm. with the kids. Um, and then, you know, our afternoon is free for, you know, if it's a work day, then we have to work or the kids get projects or whatever. And then, um, but a lot of times when the weather is nice, we just do field trips. We'll just go to a park or um, go to a museum or things like that. And um, now I don't do those a ton and I usually don't do them with the younger kids Mm -hmm. like museums or things. So don't, don't think like Teresa's out there (laughs) all the time. Like we'll go to parks. I'll take all six kids to the park, but. Yeah. If we can get a couple hours of good schooling with them in the morning Mm -hmm. and they can then just play and read, Mm -hmm. you know, and just participate in family, you know, work and prayer and life the rest of the day. And we count that as a pretty, pretty big win of a day, I would say. Yeah. And then it also allows, as the kids get older, they have freedom to pursue things that they like. Yeah. You know, like our son has a job, a weekly job, like picking up dog poop for a neighbor, you know? So it's like, he's free to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Our girls are free to go over to someone's house and help Mm -hmm. them or to help grandma. Um, and in the future, hopefully this will result in the ability to shadow, Mm. um, you know, different jobs and different vocations, um, you know, go hang out with the mechanic family, learn how to change your oil. But like those things can occur outside of when all of the other kids get out of school and all the activities happen. Like we can be helpful and take advantage of things that are occurring during the daytime hours. Um, so that's really where nice. we are right now. We're going to dig into some of our, some of our mindset stuff and just, you know, things that we've learned that might be helpful to you, but that's kind of a snapshot of what it looks like right now. And it looked different mm-hmm. last year. It'll probably look a little yes. bit different next year. We have more things oh, we wanted to say do the rest of what the our school things. looks yeah. like now. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. I, I'm reading my notes. We have Teresa's note-taking style on a piece of paper and John Mark's got his iPad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does our school look like? Okay, so if we were to give just overarching generalizations about our school, like number one, lots of conversation. Um, Sometimes to the point where we're late for things, like we're late to go places because we have valued the conversation over getting out the door on time, you know. Um, So just lots of conversation, lots of questions asking. Um, That involves as well a lot of boundaries, right? The kids have to be able to except that you don't hate them if you're not answering them their question at that moment, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a culture of reading in our house. Books are everywhere. Hundreds of books everywhere, on the floor, all the time. Um, our kids consume audiobooks all the time. Like they've got a huge, both a large vocabulary from the audiobooks, but also a large repertoire of accents. <laughs> <laughs> All over the world, our kids can do accents. Um, We school year round, like we said before, just because that gives us more time to take breaks whenever we want. And by breaks, I mean like 
a week to a month, we could take a break, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I'd say, you know, one of the things that's connected to that is that what we value more than a, a whole lot of intense formal schooling is we value, you know, working always on our family culture, you know, our family, mm -hmm. like rhythms and routines. And so we don't have really, you know, one way of living, one, one way of structuring our life, you know, in the winter and the different one in the summer. It's it's largely the same thing. Uh, it's the same basic structure because we're trying to kind of live this this rhythm of life, and so schooling all year round just makes it. We have a basic structure that we follow, even when it's the summer months and we're spending more time outside. We still have the basic, you know, rhythm of mm -hmm. life. You know. Yeah, and I also like that kids aren't aren't like looking forward to a time off as right. much. Yeah, because school education we're not. It's not seen as something in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's just, if they want to learn something, then here's the YouTube video or here's the book that we got from the library. Mm -hmm. Like you can learn this thing yourself. Yeah, um, we're on a tornado kick right now. Like, oh my gosh. We have two or three kids really into tornadoes for some reason. And so we've been watching videos yeah. of tornadoes. The three-year-old wakes up and, and he's like, I want to watch the Joplin tornado. The Joplin. The, the three-year-old, yeah. See the tornado and it's full of, it's shooting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, re he's really into tornadoes right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, which is scary because we like had storms the other night and the kids mm -hmm. were like freaking out. <laughs> um, so again, like we said before, we don't typically do any formal schooling except reading before the ages of six. And we just, uh, before then, it's just a lot of being outside, endless play outside. Like they could be outside for yeah. six hours in the summer, spring, fall. And our, again, um, our family life, you know, we do a lot of prayer together. Mm -hmm. We do We do all of our meals together. We're blessed mm -hmm. to be able to do that. You know, we have, if there's anything we do before six, it's when they're ready. Like we, I, I try, usually experiment with, with each kid mm -hmm. a few times to kind of, are they really ready to do For this reading, reading program? Like yeah. And sometimes we dig, dive into it. Sometimes I, I decide to wait, you know, another, another half year or so. But if, if anything, we, we really work on the reading, mm -hmm. but that's the only real formal thing that we work and on. And we bribe six. heavily <laughs> yeah. for the reading. I mean, heavily. Yeah. Um, with one kid, he wanted a Paw Patrol tower. And he like sped through reading and he was done reading. Like he could read at the age of three and a half. Like he could read Bob books at the age of three and a half. Right. Our next child, we she just wasn't ready. We kept trying, trying, trying. Yeah. And she was happy to sit on our laps, but she just, you know, was just kind of yeah, all so we over. Gave her some time. And then, she didn't end up reading until like five and a half or maybe even starting reading yeah. at five and a half. And now she's a great reader. Yeah. And she's a wonderful reader. Yeah. yeah. And an excellent speller too. Yeah. But all three of the older kids now, again, they all, they all, they picked up reading at different times, but we, but we did work hard with each of them when they were ready. And now, you know, on, on any given evening, you know, everybody can be out with mm -hmm. a chapter book in the, in the front room reading together. Yeah. When we do family prayer together, any of them can, can read the, the, the parts. You yeah. Know, or participate. They all have many novels that they've already started <laughs> writing. <laughs> right. um, so it's not yeah. like reading flows over into like the desire for writing and the desire for creating. It's, it's incredible. I like, I never could have I never actually could have predicted that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and kids' bribes are different, right? Mm -hmm. The one kid wanted a Paw Patrol tower. The other kid wanted like words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Like that's what got her reading. She just wanted to be praised. Mm -hmm. And eventually we gave her a pizza party. But then the other kid coming up next was like, I want that same pizza party. And she, <laughs> you know, plugged through yeah. the reading. Um, so everybody's bribe is different. <laughs> bribe. We could go with a better word for it. Incentivized. Uh, carrot. 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 There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Bribe. That's right. <laughs> same, same thing. Um, so we use Life of Fred for math. So we can't really give any 
that that's a particular curriculum written by one author. We'll, we'll link to it, yeah. Um, we'll link to it. Um, and he's like an intense, amazing mathematician. And it goes all the way through pre-reading up to calculus. So you can do and everything in between. Too, yeah. um, and it's reading-based. And the kids really learn. Like we've got three really different learners mm -hmm. and they really learn from it. So we've really liked Life of Fred. So we can't really give any advice or thoughts on anything yeah. else. <laughs> well, one of the things I, I, I don't, I, I can't, um, I think you've described it before. I don't have the literature on it, but this, there's a, a type of book that's described as like a, a living book, a living, yeah. living reading. And, and the yeah. point is, there are some books that are written by committees, mm -hmm. textbooks, you know, written by committees and they're really boring. Well, more than one author. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas you have other books that are written by a particular author and it, it is a conversation with the author. You yeah, hear or their an immersive voice. You, history or something right. like that. Yeah. So this is definitely that. And so it, it again, it builds on the reading, but it also has, it's a conversation with a, basically a, nut, a nutty math, math mm. professor who's a really interesting guy. And so that that yields a lot of good, not just math, but all, all kinds of other um, exploration through those, mm -hmm. that math curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. We also, this is just an aside. This is what we do. Like we also hold off on science, like formal mm. science for a while. Um, except through living books and through just being out in nature, answering specific questions. Um, because we we noticed early on that like, as soon as a kid understood why it happened, their their attitude changed towards it. I'll just give an example. Like our son was in the car and one of the kids was like, look at the clouds, there are animals in the clouds, look how pretty they are. And our oldest, who was probably like five mm -hmm. at the time, who was, you know, a reader for a year and a half already, he was like, oh, those are just crystals of water, blah, 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 up in the sky that are held up. And he was just like, so it's like he had science in his back pocket. He had the whole world in the sky in his back pocket. And he was just like, mm, that's what it is. And I was just like, I don't want to do that to my kids. I want them to, when they're kids, to just feel like the world is big mm -hmm. and exciting and interesting, you know, and just full of, full of never ending, like clouds are, are these never ending thought processes that you can think about, you know, science can come later and it comes naturally and intu intuitively. Yeah. Um, well, and even that, I mean, this is, this is a tangent here, but that, that um, along with our science nowadays from, from our modern culture, we, we also absorb a philosophy, a particular philosophy about the world, because um, again, even that that demythologizing or that that uh, that reductionism of this is actually merely just this—that's mm -hmm. not necessarily part of science proper, but it is an attitude that's all around us in the world, and it's picked up really easily because it's in all of our TV shows and, and books and everything. And so, it, yeah, it, it, science at this age is really unnecessary, and it's actually counterproductive to to real science because real science is a is a is a desire to understand and know the world as it is. Um, and if you jump into the formal mechanic science too quickly, it, it can contribute to this, uh, this reductionism and this uh, decreased curiosity in the world. And, and most of what kids learn in science early on is just really unnecessary. They're memorizing a lot of facts that they quickly go on to forget. Uh, at the same time, many kids aren't learning to read really, really well or do mathematics really, really well, or communicate uh, to use language really, really well. So we work harder, much uh, much harder on those things first, and, and that way they're much more prepared when it is time to study silent, science in a formal way. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we have here, we do daily prayer and board games, I think. Did you add that on there? Oh yeah, I was just, I might, <laughs> sorry. yeah, sorry. I don't I have any reference notes. of what that well, is. I was just, uh, other examples, because <laughs> again, <laughs> an important piece of all this is just, at least for us, is that homeschooling is just not in a box. Schooling is not in a box. Education is not in a box. We don't ever want our kids to to begin to think of, of learning as something that just happens in this narrow box we call school. No, it's just part of our whole life. Uh, and so, again, part of the rhythm of our family life is is praying uh, the gospel of the day, praying night prayer together, praying you know the the morning offering together, or play or playing games that require thought and counting and strategizing and talking and and writing and laughing things down and, and beating other people <laughs> and being a loser and a winner and that's just part of the the structure of daily life and there mm -hmm. a lot of learning happens really organically through those kinds of things mm -hmm. and that and we really, yeah, really value like, that like our our two year old. Mm -hmm at some point was able to count over a hundred hmm. because her brother would go in the corner and have to count to 200. <laughs> I mean, like we didn't even teach her that. Naughty, yeah. She picked it right up. And actually that's, that is one of uh, like, just one of the benefits of like the sibling relationship is that that first kid, mm -hmm. all the other kids are going to want to be just like him, especially right. when they're younger. And so anything that you pour into that eldest kid, you know, really excellent reading, love reading. We're all mommy, daddy, uh, you know, oldest kid are just sitting around and reading and, mm -hmm. you know, singing loud, you know, like we, you in particular, <laughs> like to sing and be boisterous and loud and theatrical. And so all of our kids are like that now. Mm -hmm. The oldest is like that and all of them are like yeah, that. I taught the oldest kid how to, how to make puns and now oh every my single gosh. kid. <laughs> You're regretting that one. If you, you come to dinner at our house, at some yeah, point I will barrage. be like, we need to stop making jokes, children. You, you brought up the board games. <laughs> like another just example I love to share with that one is that like I I, I joke, but I'm not really joking that uh, I buy um, I buy board games, and then I have our eldest son. You, okay, you learn you learn learn how to play this. You read the directions, figure it all out, and then teach it to me, <laughs> and then I'll play with you, man. Because <laughs> that's the hard part, but it's also the part that has the most learning involved. Yeah. So he he's good at it. He'll sit there and pour through it and set it all up and figure all the rules out, and then he'll explain them to me, and we'll work out a few kinks, and then we'll play. And the point is that whole process has been reading and strategy and problem solving, and there's, there's a lot that goes into. Mm -hmm. And just getting that set up. And he's ready. then teaching. Yeah, and that's precisely. like real self-confidence. Like right. I am confident in this matter. And I've now taught it to you, which yeah. means it's solidified even further in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, cooking is like that. Yeah. From a really young age, I give the kids recipes, just mm -hmm. a, a recipe when they can read, just a printed out piece of paper. And, you know, maybe depending on the age, I put it in the oven for them or start the oven or oven is a little complicated. And so it's like, maybe I do some of those things, but they walk through the recipe and they do the recipe and that's math. It's direction reading. Yeah. You can get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> and you can't backtrack when you're baking, right. you know, so you have to start over again. And like, there's just, there's so much to learn even, even in just doing a recipe, Yeah, you know? So that's kind of what our school is. Was that our like. snapshot? That was, right. Yes. That was a kind of where we are currently snapshot. in our life. Yeah. So um, we kind of, we wanted to break this up into a few different sections because um, we were having a hard time deciding on what yeah. direction to go. Well, and the way that I'd, I would contextualize, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, the way we're thinking of these next kind of sections. Again, 
we, it's, it's really intimidating for so many people to even think about homeschooling. And part of the reason why is because they're the mindsets they have about education, mm-hmm. about what schooling is, and thus what homeschooling would be if I did it mm-hmm. is based a lot on, on what they've observed in a formal public school type set, setting or private school. Um, and when they think about homeschooling, they think necessarily that it ha- that has to be sort of recreated at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, there's some aspects of that that we, we disagree with that just aren't necessary. And so really what we want to talk through is a little bit of the mindset about what education is uh, and how you kind of approach this homeschooling, even experimenting with it in your family is actually not the big deal that you might think that it is. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of the areas we wanted to just kind of think through is, is uh, think like, as part of that process. Well, can we, can we yeah, first ahead, give your, your, you were homeschooled. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I was, I was homeschooled. Let's see, first through uh, sixth grade. And then I kind of did a hybrid thing, seventh and eighth grade, junior high, so some online classes. No, that was, yeah. that was online classes. I was still at home, but I was playing sports, you know, just on the, on the local teams at that point. And then I did a couple years in public school. Um, Cause at that point you couldn't as a homeschooler, play school sports in high school. I think that's changed that's now. That's largely changed. I've heard that's yeah. changed now. But I, I did it for a couple of years. I also kind of wanted to know, I, you know, I, we, we were, I even recognized at that age that we were real laissez-faire about our schooling, mm-hmm. you know, much more even oh, so Oh, your than, mom will tell you that. Than, yeah. <laughs> than our, be like, than we I are don't now. remember. Like we're pretty laissez-faire, but they were real <laughs> laid back. I just gave them a textbook and said, learn this. <laughs> um, so I kind of <laughs> wanted to, like, I had this interest to know, like, am I, am I like way behind? Like, where do I, where do I stack up? And, and I went there and I did just fine. I got, you know, A's and, and, a, and a few B's, um, but I did just fine at the, at the formal work. So I ended up then finishing up uh, at home the last mm-hmm. two years of high school. Yeah. Well, you then, took yourself yeah. out because you were bored. Yeah. Well, it, well, I was bored and I was missing my friends and I, you know, I, I there was definitely a whole lot of, of, of real world I was encountering uh, for the first time. And some of it was good. Most of it was, <laughs> wasn't great. It was just a typical public school experience. And so, yeah, I mean, it, but it was overall, it was a really good experience. I always then kind of figured I would homeschool. I wanted to homeschool. I didn't have any trouble getting into higher education or keeping up and, and doing the work when I did. Um, I There were some things I wanted to do a little bit better than in my experience, but I, I also recognized in, in my experience, I, I saw that um, that the, the benefits of homeschooling cover a lot of even its flaws that might be present mm-hmm. in any particular family. Yeah. So... Yeah. You were not homeschooled. I was not homeschooled. Um, <laughs> and actually I came to marriage. Mm-hmm. I remember we had this discussion when we were engaged mm-hmm. and we were like on Taco Bell's lawn. We like I, went to Taco how do you Bell. remember these things? <laughs> and we, it was like the middle of the day and we like sat and had a picnic on Taco Bell's lawn. And that's I was just low. like, I mean, that's, uh... well, that's where we were, honey. We're in college. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I was like crying and just telling you that I would never stay at home and I would never homeschool. And I don't even know where this was coming from mm. because I don't know. Like, I was just like, I worked so hard. There's just these ideals of like how everything would be taken away from me if I suddenly like chose to do something different than what my degree path told mm. me to do. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like kicking and screaming, coming into homeschooling. And even when we had our first kid, I was like, I was like, we'll drive 45 minutes so you can go to a good preschool because I don't know what to do with children. I've never mm-hmm. been around children. I never wanted children. And now I have one. So I'm not educated in like how to take care of early childhood, yeah. you know? And 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 I, like, I remember all these moms looking at me like, you're insane. Like 
you know how to take care of a kid. Don't worry. They're fine. They'll be fine. And, but I just kept thinking like, I don't know what to do with young kids. I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do with young kids. I've never thought about them before. Um, but then I can't remember what the exact chink in my armor was. I think it was realizing that like putting kids in calendar ages, like dividing kids by their calendar age Mm -hmm. was like not a good idea. And it made sense that a lot of bullying occurred and it makes sense that like kids don't get the education. I don't know. That was like the chink in the armor. Something started you thinking. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, maybe, maybe I can do preschool at home so we don't have to spend a bunch of money and like enroll our kid in a thing and gas and all that when we were like below the poverty limit at that time. Like it didn't make sense financially, you know? And then our kid was just so amazing. Yeah. He was just so real, like a real person from the time he was born. And just like watching him be interested and create and, you know, even take hangers out of a paper bag was like interesting. He was just continuously interesting. And I didn't want to farm that out yet. Well, also, I I think as we, even though clearly, as you you mentioned, as we were coming into marriage, a lot of your own baggage was coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and worries uh, about the future and about the structure of family life. And we, we, we just, you know, we talked through a lot of that. Some of it, we, some of it, like the, I think the homeschooling thing, we, we sort of just kind of trusted, like God will work yeah, this out. Yeah. You never time. pushed. Yeah. I, you I, never pushed and you didn't really bring it up again. But we did decide early on somehow, like we really kind of committed to like, we're going to, we're going to be a single income yes. household. Yeah. And what that allowed us to do is that from the early on in our marriage, we began to felt fall in love with home life and our family culture and kind of the, mm-hmm. again, the rhythm and the beauty of our home, like that became yeah. something that we just loved. And so like all, all kind of decisions then after that kind of began to flow out of this, mm-hmm. trying to build that and understand that. And yeah, and the single it. income thing, that might've been the single most important yeah. decision we fell into. Right. And we started out real poor. I mean, like, Oh yeah. When we made this decision it, for me to stay home, you were making like $10 an hour. Yeah. I mean, we, we, it, we made <laughs> we sacrifices. We were well below the, the poverty but line. It also made for great experiences. I mean, our first little tiny uh, apartment, I guess I have the, the fondest memories of yeah. that. <laughs> we know? flipped a lot of furniture. We flipped furniture for a you while. You flipped electronics. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. 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 So we didn't make this decision. I, I, I hate, oh hmm. gosh. Like, this this like squeezes my heart and mm. makes me all kinds of sad when I hear this. Mm. When people say that like staying home or educating your child is a, what is it, a luxury or a privilege? Mm. First of all, I'm a historian. Staying at home is the most practical thing that any woman has ever done throughout all of history because you are capable of all of these things that you would pay an exorbitant amount, exorbitant, 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 yes. exorbitant amount. She for. wasn't homeschooled. Folks. I wasn't homeschooled. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so like that you would just pay so much money for it. Like when we were considering me getting a job at one point, mm-hmm. I was like, well, we'd have to pay for gas. We'd have to pay for childcare. We'd have to pay for formula. We'd have to pay for um, food because I wouldn't be able to make our food the way I was making it at mm-hmm. that time. Like there were all of these things that were going to have to change. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, excuse me, I actually don't want that change. Yeah, You know, I would rather 
just not have that second income and keep things centered around yeah. our home. And, you know, and one thing we should have probably mentioned earlier, not and not like a half an hour into this, is just that <laughs> obviously we're doing an episode on homeschooling. You know, like we're not, this isn't the end all be all for everyone. Um, we do believe a lot of things about the family and about the home and about marriage. Certainly uh, go, normal school, <laughs> as we might call it, like it really works well, well for making some a different choice for your children's education. But yeah, but what we would say is that even, even so, right. Like, um, the commitment to, to, to the, the single income was really helpful, even mm -hmm. if we hadn't homeschooled because like from, from the beginning, we were able to be much more committed to our home life and building our mm -hmm. family culture and, well, and making free decisions because mm -hmm. I wasn't strapped to a second job, you know, your job, probably being primary, my job being secondary. Mm -hmm. We weren't strapped to like a system, a school system that we were putting the kid in or a daycare system that we were putting the kid in. Like we weren't beholden to other people's systems. Right. We were able to make, like learn each other, mm -hmm. learn kind of like feel around and see what we wanted for our family life, yeah. what we wanted for our culture, what we would dream of of the future mm -hmm. um, without including anyone else in that. Yeah. And by anyone else, I mean any other system. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think even if you do have two incomes, pretending like you have one is like, is yeah. a good, it's a good challenge for the first few years of marriage because it makes you free. Yeah. You know, cause you're we, still, you still have to be the driver of your family culture, of your marriage, of your, of your kid, uh, you know, of your, of your parenting, even, and especially actually, if your kids are, you know, are involved in a school system, you actually have to work extra hard, I think to, yeah. to, you know, be in their lives, to build the family culture, to build the family relationships, to maintain those because you have just less, you know, less time in your kids' lives. You have to work more around that. So again, the point is, is that like, you want to start as early as you can in your marriage and your family life to begin building uh, a life that allows you to live more life together as a family, mm -hmm. you know, especially in anticipation of things getting busy or messy later on. Yeah, we'll do a Q&A later. We asked a lot of questions um, or we we solicited questions and we received a lot of questions. And but I would I would have to say like the number one question I get is like how do you do it? I don't know how you do it. And I'm I'm just sitting here thinking like I don't know how you get shoes on your kid and coat on your coats on your kid every day and get out the door at the same time and then sit in school drop off line for 45 minutes and not run someone over. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a, my temperament works well with not trying to get the children out of the house every, every day. That's like an added bonus to homeschooling Yeah, is that I don't yeah. have to go through that ordeal. Every day. And maybe that's lazy. Maybe I would grow in virtue if I did. I don't think I would grow in virtue if I did. I think yeah. I would grow in vice, but that's just me. Yeah. So that's, I mean, <laughs> some of our background and now we're, you know, sort of, I'd say four or five years into. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was, I went to yeah. school from the time yeah. I was in pre-K mm -hmm. all the way through my master's and I had a great experience. I didn't have any negative social experiences. I, mm -hmm. from the time school finally clicked, maybe around junior high, I don't know. Um, straight A's, always overachiever, always taking a higher course load. I mean, like super overachiever. Um, so I, I didn't have a negative experience. I had a really positive experience. Um, 
But as I'm learning myself as a teacher, I'm I'm recognizing the kind of baggage, the baggage from being an ultra overachiever in well, it, that doesn't matter. That's not, that's Teresa's own problem. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, I was not homeschooled. So what you're saying is you're not at all qualified to be teaching your kids. I'm not, no, after, and, and do math oh, this is an with example. All, with all that. <laughs> yeah, this is an example I was going to give later. What, where was I going to give this example? It is well, a funny thing. We'll just say it. Like, we'll just say it now. <laughs> this will be our transition into the next three things. Okay. So I was at the grocery store Yeah. and this lovely high school girl. And she was just, I don't think she knew what the heck was going to come out of my mouth when she asked this sweet question. I mean, she was not being mean. She was like, wow, you homeschool. Like, I just, I always wonder like, how do you feel that you're qualified to teach these kids? And I'm thinking to myself, and I I didn't think to myself, I thought out loud at her and I feel bad. It it was a nice conversation. It wasn't an evil conversation. It wasn't a (laughs) yelling conversation, but I was just like, well, I went to school from the time I was in preschool all the way through my master's degree. I've got over 20 years of education. If I'm not qualified to teach my children in elementary education, then yeah. I'm not going to put and them into that the system <laughs> of 20 years of a waste of my time. I can't yeah. even teach like basic math and basic reading, <laughs> you know? So in reality, I'm overqualified. We're all overqualified. Yeah. Probably if you're listening to this, you're and, overqualified. And that's a, good ta- that's a takeaway. Yeah, you're almost, you almost certainly are. And one of the reasons I think, again, this is why we're going to talk more about the mindsets that go into this is that, again, our our ideas of education are kind of goofy. One real quick example here is just a lot of what we call education in the school system is simply the memorization, sometimes the memorization, but more often just the exposure to a lot of facts about the world science facts, history facts, these facts, those facts. Uh, and those are helpful and they have a place, but that's different than learning, than the mechanics of learning, learning how to learn, learning how to communicate, learning how to explore. Because you can memorize or be exposed to a thousand facts and you know learn them for a test and then forget them a week later. But to learn the skills to, like, for instance, to learn to read really, really well, to be very, very comfortable reading anything that's put in front of you and to enjoy doing it, to be able to do math well, to be able to, to seek out information well and communicate it well in, in uh, written form as well as, as through speaking. If you can do those things well, then you can then go pick up and work with any other subject you need to learn. But because we think of education more in terms of, you know, just trying to cram in lots of facts. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be rude to teachers. Oh, no, no, okay. No, no. Yeah. Because sure. it is very different to teach your child. Mm-hmm who you know very well, you know them, you know, like they're your child (laughs) Um, and teach 20 to 40 students, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you're in the high school level, you're teaching 100 to 200 students, you know, in and out. So it doesn't mean that education degrees aren't important. It just means that when you're teaching your own child, it's very different than teaching 20 to 30 to 200 students in a classroom, putting that together and staying on track. It's just, um, it is the mindset that comes out of it though. I think that you, that you think, Hey, well, I don't know all kinds of science facts. And I don't know a yeah. bunch of chemistry stuff. No, that okay, was definitely, on. that you was can, definitely me. You can teach yeah. your kid to read really well 
And then you've got a library, you've got, you've got YouTube, mm -hmm. you've got, you've got teachers, you've got a school, you have things that you can apply to you that, to, to get that additional expertise, oh, there is but a, you can teach your kid to be a, a really, really good learner. There's an excellent book and yeah. it's made as both an adult book and a kid's book. Mm -hmm. So your fourth grader could read it, yeah. uh, the kid's version of it, yeah. but it's, ah, I forgot his name. Oh my gosh, he's the brain surgeon who separated the conjoined twins. Oh, uh, Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Yeah. Okay, so like his education journey is just amazing. And his mom was illiterate and he never he and his brother never knew she was illiterate. <laughs> she was very smart. Yeah. And never let him in on the fact. And and they got a different education than the kids they were going to school with yeah. because of their mom. And I, I guess it's okay. So this is a Catholic podcast. We probably should mention this. Um, the catechism says that parents are the, the, the primary educator of their children. So when we're talking about homeschooling, all cat, all parents are the primary educators of their children. Um, so choosing to homeschool is, you know, you're educating your child, but choosing, okay, St. Joe's mommy, this is the education that I'm going to choose for my child, you know, or this co-op is the education I'm going to choose for my child, or we have an excellent uh, public elementary school right here next to our house that we can walk to every day. This is the education choice. So you're still acting as the primary educator of your child, yeah. regardless of what you choose for their education. Right. Um, Cause there's plenty of stuff that I farm out to other people yeah. that I just don't want to do. I don't want to do science experiments. Yeah. And um, there are certain it's, subjects that I would rather pay an online tutor hmm. to do, or I don't speak all languages. Like we have a kid who wants to learn Japanese She's really insistent about it. Yeah. I don't know Japanese and I'm pretty sure I can't learn Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's it's your responsibility as a parent. It's your right as a parent uh, to to make decisions about your children's education. But it's also like, you got you have to keep it in mind. You got to believe this, that, that you are the most qualified person in the world to, uh, to look at your child and evaluate, like, are, is this really working for them? Mm -hmm. Is this making them happy and holy and healthy? You know, is is this current situation uh, helping them to grow and develop, not just in a narrow, you know, academic science facts sort of way, but as a whole person, is this helping them flourish? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, it is, it is just so within your wheelhouse and your right to say, you know what, we're going to take a break from this this school or this class, you know, this, mm -hmm. this system and try something different <laughs> we won't to do figure homework, out what child, helps them. Child's teacher. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we've, we've had friends who've done that. Hmm. Like this is too much homework for a five-year-old. We will not do it it's at home. The home time is home time. School time is school time. Yeah, I will yeah. accept the consequences if she doesn't understand her, you know, and that's- uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. She's going to get a, her, a C on her second grade transcript. It's going to follow her until <laughs> she dies. Um, and, and all due respect to yeah. the person that you're giving to educate your child, Yeah, you know, but you- For sure. You have- just don't cede your right and your responsibility and your authority as a parent to be the one who's who's evaluating and saying, yeah, this is working and helping my child or it's not. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about it a lot and we haven't gotten very far in your notes. Yeah. So this is likely going to be a three-part, a two or three-part episode. Yeah. Exciting. How about we wrap it up there? Okay. So we... We the first part <laughs> that we just did <laughs> was a snapshot of what we're doing now, a little bit of our own journey and some mindset stuff. I think the second episode that we'll, we'll do be next learning your child, learning yourself, uh, and learning your environment. 
Yeah. And so that, again, this is, this is mindset. This is thinking through maybe demystifying, demythologizing, uh, getting it out of the cl clouds, this idea that this is something so big and hard and difficult that you can't do. No, actually it's, it's a journey of, again, as you said, learning your child, learning yourself, learning about your home, your family, and the opportunities that you have there and recognizing that, no, you actually have, you're surrounded by the tools you need to be the very best educator. Yeah. And then let's say part number three is practical advice and Q&A. And &A. Cool. So we, we solicited questions for Q&A. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. That's cool. <laughs> we'll do that. So thanks for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, we'll be back next time with more. Uh, we're going to continue this topic, as we said. Um, so we'll see you then. God bless.